I'm Jody McCraney Rusho, and I'm here today for the Creativity in Focus podcast, and I'm interviewing Cheryl Peterson, the Red Dragon Glass Lady, <laughs> and we're super happy that you're here. We're super happy you're here. Welcome, well, thank you. Cheryl. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So Cheryl is a stained glass artist. Tell us what a stained glass artist does is <laughs> about. Well, okay, so stained glass, you know, is um, creating panels or three-dimensional artwork from art glass. Uh, basically, stained glass is anything from the Tiffany style, which is um, glass that's wrapped in copper foil and then soldered together, or leaded glass, like uh, people are really familiar with church windows. That's what most people are familiar with. And um, lead glass is um, leaded channels, and the glass is fitted between the channels and then cemented in. And essentially, that's what stained glass is. Just that little thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's fairly it's nothing. simple. It's nothing. <laughs> so tell us about uh, tell us about uh, designs, right? Because I understand that you have a little bit of a past as a designer. So how does that inform your glass? Okay, work? Well, tell us about the design part. You're being a designer. Okay, and my then about how my it first works career was as a graphic designer. That's how I got started in the world of work, as it were. And it really helped me learn how to do stained glass because there are limitations to what you can do with stained glass, um, how you can cut glass. Uh, glass has a tendency to break if you cut it wrong. You can create weaknesses in the glass if you're cutting angles that are bad. You just have to know what the glass can do. And having a design background, it made it so that I didn't have to rely on other people's patterns. Once I learned how to do stained glass, everything I've done since then has pretty much been my own design. That's wonderful. Let's uh, tell me about this particular one. Um, I'd love to get some detail on this one if we could, just so people can see how intricate this is. And tell me about the, the process, like the inspiration behind designing this and, <laughs> well, <laughs> tell me. I was say it. it's been so long ago. I almost don't remember. No, um, no, that's not an allowable answer. <laughs> try again. <laughs> try again. Okay. Well, this is after I took my first stained glass class. This is the first piece I created, I designed after my first class. So this is technically my second piece of stained glass, and it took me a very long time to design it because I started from this inside section, okay. carefully designed this element, and then worked my way out, keeping in mind, you know, where to put breaks in the glass, where to put, you know, design elements that would give it strength in the structure, and then also giving it, you know, a nice frame and nice design elements to give it interest. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it just spoke to me. I didn't have anything in mind when I was doing it. I just wanted to create something that was beautiful and appealed to me, and it was a very slow process. And even when I went to buy the glass, I was slowly buying glass. It took me weeks and weeks and weeks <laughs> to get this whole thing purchased, and then another long, long time to get it all cut, because you can see there are a lot of pieces. And I learned as I was cutting, there are certain things that I couldn't cut glass, so I had to add breaks in. Okay. And it was a learning process as well as a creating right. process. So you just went full bore with the hardest thing you could possibly do. That's kind of the story of my make life. All the mistakes that it was possible to make. Yeah, my theme is biting off more than I can chew. Perfect. So. Well, the, yeah, this happens a lot around here. That's good. <laughs> do you? I, I'm a numbers girl. I admit. Do you remember how many pieces are in here? How many individual pieces? Uh, not off the top of my head, okay. but there's probably a couple of hundred. Yeah. It's it's a beautiful piece. Thank it's you. Impressive work. Thank it's you. Very nice. Uh, so tell me a little bit about Red Dragon Glass. This is your business. Right. And what is it? Tell me about what you do there and what sort of what your business does. Um, okay, well, ideally, I would be making stained glass panels all day, every day. But the demand is just not there for me at this moment. So I create any kind of stained glass for whatever purpose people ask me to. And... All just yesterday, I made a tiny little dragonfly that was only three inches wide because that's what I was asked to do. And I have, I have to ask, 
Who asked you to make a three-inch dragonfly? My nephew who does taxidermy. He needed a dragonfly <laughs> to add to a taxidermied fish he did. So a non-traditional stained glass project right there added to a taxidermy project. That's terrific. So tell me about some other projects that you've done. Um, I did um, two very large windows for a local um, quilting retreat. It's a store that has uh, classrooms and rooms that they rent out and they have weekend retreats where people can come and have big classes. And when they were building this large retreat, it's a big rustic building and the woman who owns it loves stained glass and she hired me to build two large stained glass panels that looked like quilts. That was one of the biggest projects that I ever did and it was fun working with her and choosing quilting motifs and then choosing glass and coming up with an overall design and then putting it all together and working with the contractor to find out the sizes and then finding out that they didn't fit. And Ouch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, in fact, one of them, one of them, some of the glass was broken in the installation process, so we had to do repair on site. It was a huge project, but I loved it and enjoyed it, and it was the greatest experience that I've had so far as a stained glass artist. So I have one project that's permanently installed in a building, and it's, it was, it's, um, it's a different feeling having a, a, a... So when you walked in this building for the grand opening, tell me what that felt like to see that artwork being unveiled. <laughs> it was an incredible feeling when they pulled down uh, the paper that was obscuring the installation. You know, they pulled it down, and people gasped. And wow. I, got a, I got a little misty-eyed. It was like, oh, that's me, and that's going to be here for as long as this building is standing. And I don't ever have to repair that again, <laughs> which was probably the, the best news of all. Right. But um, it's a wonderful feeling to know that your legacy will live on, you know, for years and years and years in, in an installation in a, in a building like that. And people, I get... I get comments from people who know that I've done that and go to the building and see it. And it's, it's just wonderful to hear how, how much people love the art that I've done. And it sounds like this is changing people's views and enriching their lives yes. every day, which... Right, and you know, most people, they think of stained glasses, and like I mentioned, they think of stained glass in churches. And you know, it's right. nice when people see that that's not the only place it is. I've done... Um, I've done custom panels that are in homes, and they may or may not have a religious theme, but it's not just churches. You can put stained glass anywhere. So you mentioned that um, there are a lot of stained glass windows in churches, and I believe, and I'm sure you can tell me, but was, were churches the original place that stained glass windows um, Do you know? You know, I think that was one of the first um, one of the first uses, and it was because you know the windows were so large, and they needed to put small pieces in, and they weren't necessarily um, representative of images. They were just colored glass that were put together. Okay. You know, I could be wrong. So if I'm wrong, please <laughs> don't tell us. Don't don't tell me. <laughs> I I want to live in my dream. Yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> So now you also do, so we've, we've talked about your big panels, which is very exciting. And I think yeah. you have another panel here to show us. So let's, right. let's look at that. And this one is particularly intriguing to me because it has so much texture. Talk to us about that. Right. Um, one of the things I like to do is experiment. Um, I, I see other people's work and I see the different um, methods that they're using. And I like to experiment with other people's methods and make them my own. That was one of the things when I was taking... Um, art classes at the university, one of my instructors said, you know, find somebody whose work you admire, learn to do it, and then learn to interpret it and make it your own. Okay. So That's perfectly um, great art advice. I love that. Exactly. And so I took, you know, textured, um, it's called art, arti no, artistic soldering okay. anyway <laughs> okay and so that's this the the textured part of this, yeah right? you know and it's like if, if you're not an awesome solderer and you don't get a nice smooth bead you can you know do it on purpose it. <laughs> <laughs> incorporate the kind of knobby look into your art and you know call it art and in you know including
pieces that you found, I know that there's a woman I'm familiar with who will make lampshades out of um, seashells. Oh, goodness. And stones that she finds on the oh, beach. Oh, so it doesn't necessarily have to be glass. You can right. incorporate other, that's, that is very interesting. Exactly, if you can wrap foil around it, then you can put a piece, of, you, you can put it in a glass piece. And presumably, so how, what kind of heat does, do these pieces have to survive? Um, okay, it's different for stained glass, well, it's different for foil and for lead. If okay. your piece is going to withstand temperature changes, like um, environmental temp temperature changes, then you want to choose lead because that will expand and contract. Okay, which is why church windows, exactly. they're out. Okay, oh, and even, that's interesting. even your okay. mass-produced doors and right. windows in your homes, mm -hmm. you'll find that's why you find that those are lead. Now, mm -hmm. um, these pieces that are foil-wrapped, and that's and the so that's, this is the This is foil-wrapped, okay. and that's also called the Tiffany method. Um, these are much more rigid, so they don't withstand oh. temperature changes. Okay. So you don't necessarily want to put these in a door, you slam a door, a piece like this will break. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, so Very these are beautiful. You can make three-dimensional pieces out of this, mm -hmm. but, you know. So when you're adding things like seashells, you do have to kind of Yeah, select. exactly. <laughs> so if you were to put this in an exterior window, mm -hmm. you'd want to make sure that there was a piece of glass in front of it, that this was just butted up against it. Okay. Okay. Got it. So that, isn't this interesting? I love this. I'm learning so much. <laughs> so I now when you become, I knew when you become a stained glass, glass artist, you'll I know everything not. I know, right? <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So now we've talked about how you do custom panels and you've done installation work, but right. um, do you also do events and shows? I do. Um, I, I have done Renaissance fairs, which those are just fun because you get to dress up. <laughs> And I also do Scottish festivals. I, I do open houses here and there. And in those cases, I do small items, mostly fused glass. Um, okay. Stained glass items, well, we can look at this Let's little. Let's do. Let's look. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no breaking. If, if yeah, you don't break, break anything, break your own stuff. Yeah, That's exactly. Because <laughs> then I get mad at myself. You know, I, I make little things to sell at festivals. Okay, and tell so me here. about this guy. He okay. is adorable. This is a, a f dragonfly made out of a baby fork. The first ones I made <laughs> were made That's, out of full-size forks and they were like much bigger. That is hilarious. And I had, I had a lady come up and say, well, could you make smaller ones? And I thought, no, I don't really want to. And yet, here you are. But here I am making almost exclusively tiny dragonflies on baby forks. On oh, baby forks. So uh, how many of those do you make on average in a year? Um, maybe 50. Wow. That's a lot of dragon forks. That's a yeah. lot of dragon forks. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a question here from Barbara, and she wants to know what you mean by foil wrapped. That's a good question. Ah, good question, Barbara. Um, foil, OK. So foil is an adhesive back, foil, tape, and... What is the foil made out of? Maybe that one. It's help. copper. Okay. I so should have copper. said that. Yes, exactly. Because copper is the easiest thing to adhere solder to. If, yeah, it's copper tape with adhesive on the back, and it comes in different colors. It's either copper on the back, or black on the back, or silver on the back. And that makes a huge difference because... If you're going to use black patina on your project, you want to use copper foil that has black backing. Okay, so it's an additional design right, because thing. Your glass is going to show through in places and you don't want copper showing through where you have black solder. So on this piece, because I was using copper patina, and don't let it fool you just because I use copper tape, once you solder it, you still have to patina. Okay. So it's copper-backed copper tape, <laughs> which seems a bit like overkill. With a copper patina. <laughs> With a copper patina. So there's a whole lot of copper going on. So tell me a little bit when you say wrapped, because the first thing I picture is a gift, of course. Right, um, right. But, but that's not really what's happening. How much, of, how much of the glass do you wrap? You just wrap it along the edge. Um, most of the tape I use is generally 7 sixteenths of an inch wide. You put the edge of the glass on the tape, and then, well, okay, I, I can't so really do it with my hand. But, and it's then, just a very, just, just, just a very edge. Just a very thin edge, because okay. you just want enough for the cop, for the patina, uh, hello, for the solder to hold on to. Right, 
Okay, so let's talk about um, your dragon fork for a moment. Okay. How do you attach the fork? I mean, is it soldered together or do you have a different fabrication method that well, you like? Well, let's look at it again. Because we're, now we're adding like interesting elements to the glass or adding the glass to other elements. And I'm interested in that, <laughs> okay. how that works. So this is soldered. Okay. But because it's kind of weak, it's structurally, there's no reinforcement like a frame. Okay, so you solder it and then you wrap wire around the outer edge to reinforce it. And then, once again, you come back with wire and attach the fork. This seems with like wire. a lot of work. There's a lot of work involved in these and the loops are also wire. Okay, goodness. So wire reinforcements all the way around. That's, Cheryl, that's a lot of work. Well, you want it to last, right? Wow. The goal is for it to last 50 years. Wow. Okay. Because I don't want to have to be the one that repairs this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't forget that this is an interactive interview. It's not just us. <laughs> if you have questions. Please ask questions. Please ask questions. Uh, there's a chat below the video where you're watching, wherever you're watching, if you're on a tablet or a phone or your computer. And please share with your friends. Um, we love to know that there are lots of people out there watching us. And we love questions. Um, eventually, I will probably run out of questions, so it would be really helpful if you send me questions. Oh, it, let me jump in. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Please jump I, in. I think I'm making it sound like I don't ever want to repair anything. Um, <laughs> repair is something I also do, which is okay. not something every glass artist does because it's difficult. And yeah. I believe that you have some special training in repairs. I actually correct? took a I actually took a course in stained glass repair just this past year, and. Got a certificate. Did you <laughs> learn a lot? I learned a lot, um, you know, about how to glue broken glass back together, how to, uh, yeah, how to properly and safely take a stained glass piece apart because, you know, there's all sorts of nox noxious chemicals involved in the process. And when you're taking them apart, you're basically putting them up in the air again and it needs to be managed. There's all sorts of dust and debris that wow. have to be handled. Otherwise you're breathing them in and that's right. never good. Right, yeah. so this is a whole nother level of dust yeah. above and beyond glass. It's not just a skill, there's also safety that needs to be addressed right. as well. Yeah. So we have a comment, Gretchen Peterson says, Jody says this seems like a lot of work and I laugh. <laughs> well, you okay, know, fair I, enough. <laughs> I've, I've had a lot of glass artist friends actually get out of stained glass for that very reason. It, they think it's too much work and they get into fused glass, which is also a lot of work, but it it's a well, different kind of work. We talk about that. Um, we talk about, well, you and I talk about this a lot um, and we talk about this a lot where there's always work. So it just depends on where you want to do the work. Right. Do you want to do it up front? Do you want to do it at the end where, you know, but there's always work. Yeah. Um, and Julie asks, how long have you been doing glass? Uh, 13 years now. So is that stained glass for 13 years? That, from my first stained glass class until now, yes. Okay, and you also do? Fused glass. Fused glass, how long have you been doing that? 12 years? I got, <laughs> no, okay, so I got into fused. There's a sharply delineated line in her mind. Well, no, and, and, and it's, there was a reason. I got into fused glass, I took my first fused glass class because ultimately I wanted to learn how to paint on glass. Okay. And I, the woman I took all my classes from recommended that I take fused glass classes to learn how heat affects glass. Oh, and okay. So I kind of veered off into fused glass for a while and did a lot of experimenting with different types of fused glass. And it, I got distracted. And then eventually I did learn how to paint on glass. But it was very, very helpful to understand the process of fusing glass and the chemistry involved in that as well because there's a lot to learn there. There is a lot to learn there. Yeah. I'm still learning things <laughs> there. And I'm going to be learning stained glass here pretty soon. There you go. As well. So tell me about, can we, can we look at the adorable dragon? Yes, we can. Okay. I, I need to see the adorable dragon because it really is adorable. We'll have him do a 360 here. And Barbara asks, how did you actually get started in stained glass? Are there community classes that you took to start off? Uh, okay, this is, I've got tons of shaggy dog stories about how I get involved in things. 
I don't know what a shaggy dog story is. Those are the long involved stories okay. that people usually get bored okay. by the time you get to the end of it. <laughs> Maybe you could give us a not very shaggy dog. Okay. Um, I worked near a local, stained uh, local art glass store and they had a big banner on the front that said, ask us about stained glass classes. And I had a friend who did stained glass and I thought, I'm intrigued. So I walked in and I asked. And <laughs> And the next thing you know, you I'm taking for. a class. <laughs> right. And there are um, lots of local um, community colleges, lots of places that will teach stained glass. I'm sure if you just Google it, you can find out, depending on where you are. There are tons of places that you can learn. Awesome. Uh, Gwen says, you're motivating me to get my glass stuff out of the cupboard after 10 years. Do it, Gwen. Do it. I bet, Gwen, that you have some glass in there that's not available anymore. There, yeah. I bet and, you've got some pieces that you right? just shouldn't use because you can't replace it. <laughs> oh, no. She no, should use no. them. I, I've got a ton of stuff that every time I look at it, it's like, well, I'm saving that for myself. Fair enough. Save the beautiful stuff for yourself. Mm -hmm. But do <laughs> okay. it, Gwen. Do it. Do it. So tell me about the dragon. We looked at it and then we got we, we, we got a little distracted. Some questions, but tell me about the dragon. Okay, this dragon is a pre-shaped little body. Thank goodness, because I'm not quite that talented. And then you <laughs> make the wings <laughs> and attach the wings. And I mean, okay, this is like stupid simple. <laughs> well, okay, you say that. Well, yeah, because I've made a ton of them, right? right? But I don't. Yeah. I don't think that it's stupid simple. I see something that looks like it has to be carefully soldered together and balanced and is very tiny pieces. Well, the beauty of this dragon is it rests on two of the points. So this is much easier to make. I make several different kinds of dragons. Mm -hmm. And I finally found a tiny little vise because the hardest part is you're holding this dragon in one hand in a welding glove because hot solder is dropping into your oh. hand. And trying to see, you need three hands, and since I don't have three hands, you're soldering it together and trying not to burn yourself, and yeah. But basically, you just cut the wings out, put them together, and then attach them to the dragon body, but you've got to make sure that the dragon body gets hot enough that the solder adheres to it okay. without melting the dragon body because it's lead and has a low melting point. But... <laughs> Wait, it really is simple, I promise. I like this project. It's exciting. <laughs> but they're very popular at the fairs. They really are. People oh. love these. Okay. So yeah. because I'm a business person, I have to ask, what do you sell these for? Um, I sell these for $55. And, and apparently that's cheap. I think it's cheap. Yeah. But you kind of have to know your price point, what people are willing to, to buy them for. I was selling them cheaper, which was way cheap, and they were flying off the shelves, and I wasn't making enough money. Okay. So I raised the price, and now they're selling a little more slowly. And so you do um, take into account your time and... Yeah. Good. Yeah. And this is a great way to use your scrap glass. Oh. Because a piece this big, you're not generally going to be using in a big stained glass panel but you're not going to throw it away either. So right. because we pay for glass. Projects like this and the little dragons are perfect for scrap glass. Awesome. Um, tell me a little bit now about the box because now we've uh, ventured into a three-dimensional piece mm -hmm. that is all glass. Right. Again, it would be nice to have extra hands when you're making these. <laughs> these are wonderful little gifts, and again, you can use bigger pieces of scrap glass. Um, you can do various, you know, variations on this. I've done some where uh, we put the bottom was a mirror. Oh, okay. And then put in a dried flower and glued, and not glued, soldered the top all the way around, and it became a keepsake box. Keepsake box. So yeah. tell me, how long um, does it take to make... If you know, tell me about how long it takes to make a box. And also, Barbara would like to know how long it takes to make one of the dragons. Just a uh, rough estimate. Dragon takes about an hour and a half. An hour on a really good day. Okay. Yeah, about an hour. About an hour. Wow. But the struggle, the struggle is always the three-dimensional. I finally got a dish and put kitty litter in it because the hard part <laughs> is you have to solder these edges. So 
Right. You're so putting, there are, it, it sounds like there are challenges with yes. this, the box design. Right. Anytime you're doing three-dimensional construction, even with these, um, it's getting the angle because solder's liquid. It's going to want to run oh, right. with gravity. With gravity. So you need to adjust for gravity. So I've got this little dish with kitty litter in it. I stick the box at an angle and I just work my way around. And do you ever have to compete with not so... Cheryl, tell us, tell us about your pet, oh. because this is an adorable name. I want you to hear the oh, name. Oh, that you named her. Um, <laughs> I have a cat. Her name is not my cat, because she's a ginger. And she used to belong to my neighbor, but she decided to move in with me. And that's why she is not my cat. <laughs> and you have another pet, too, I understand. I have a little cockatiel named Charlie, and the cat and the bird get along. Charlie takes... Well, he picks on the cat, but that's okay. She understands that he is number one in the pecking order, no pun intended. <laughs> and yeah, so that's, that's who I live with, is the bird and the cat. And, and so you stole some of Not My Cat's litter? Well, I had the litter before I had the cat. Oh, so that's this always is, the way it works. This is the cheap you litter. You start she gets, buying cat stuff and the and cat then, will just mm -hmm. show up. The cat comes later, <laughs> yeah. No, this is just the cheap litter. She gets the nice stuff. Awesome. Yeah. I think it's hilarious that you have a cat and a bird. Yeah. And uh, it's very amusing seeing pictures of the three of them on the sofa together. It's, uh, <laughs> it's It looks like lunch is about to happen <laughs> frequently. <laughs> yeah. It's entertaining. Um, I would like to talk about the box some more. Okay. If we can. Absolutely. Um, I'll pick I, it up. Okay. You have this, this chain inside. Right. And tell me... What is happening there? Okay, so the chain obviously is to keep the lid from flopping too far okay. back. Okay. Because <laughs> oh, actually, tell us about the hinge. Too. Okay, the hinge is act. The hinge is very clever. Um, what we have here is a brass tube. And so this is your own design for a hinge, is that right? Oh no, no, I, no. This is a. I learned this. Okay. I learned this. No, but I. But you I, made this hinge. This I wish I was that clever. I made the hinge, <laughs> but someone taught me how to make this hinge. So it's a brass tube that is attached to the lid, and then there's a piece of wire threaded through the tube and then attached here and here. Okay. And so the whole thing is then soldered. Or exactly, is soldered, it's soldered, right. Okay. And the chain is just to keep the lid from flopping too far back. So do you, is that something you incorporate in all of your box designs? Uh, everything that has an, a lid opening, yeah, but the only catch is you have to have a solder line on your lid in order to create an attachment. And here I've just made a ring out of a piece of wire. On the inside, there's another ring out of a piece of wire. Okay. And then I've attached the chain. And it's actually called box chain. Oh, Clever. That is funny. Right. So this is, again, where your design background would, would help with this because you need to be able to incorporate those rings into the design. Right. So you're adding a bit of functionality to a design element. Exactly. Right. And you can do any, any type of design on the top. Um, you can incorporate um, bevels, any sort of design, so whatever. What, what is a bevel? A bevel is the glass. Have, I think you have an example in the piece over here. Yes, I do. Oh, let's have a look. I'm going to say I've got bevels everywhere, really. Well, no, that's a gem. This is a bevel. Okay, so bevels are these pieces of glass that have been ground down and polished on the edges so that light will reflect off them and you get kind of a prism effect in the sun. Okay, and are they always clear? No. Sometimes they have a texture to them. Sometimes they are colored. They're always transparent. Okay. So that the light will go through them because okay. that's the whole purpose of right, the bevels the on the edges. The yeah. Now, you said one of my favorite words, which was gem. Ha! Huh? <laughs> Tell me about that. <laughs> well, let's see. Gems. We have gems here. This is a nugget. So basically anything that's not a flat piece of glass, okay. you would consider gems and nuggets. This is a nugget. Okay, and that's such an elegant word. Uh, it's, uh... <laughs> right. <laughs> and, well, I think this sun face would be considered a gem as well. Okay, so awesome. So yeah. there, these are just things that are... Just random elements that you can include in your glass. Generally, they're also made of glass as well. Okay. 
And then do you make some of these elements? Can you make some of these elements? I have made them myself in, my, in the kiln. That's what uh, fusing also helped me with. Um, okay. I have done some pieces that had animal eyes. Ooh. Um, yeah, I did some yard art. There was a, a flamingo that needed a bird eye, so I created a black and white bird's eye. Nice. Out of glass in my kiln. Sometimes it's a little bit, you're taking your chances on what you're making because you don't know exactly how large it's going to be. So right. you have to make several all at once to make sure you get the right <laughs> size. Yeah. I am familiar with this problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Okay, let's talk for just one second about um, the frames. And it's because you have different kinds of frames. You have a, a metal frame around the edge of that panel over there, and you right. have a wood frame around the panel of this one. Okay, so actually both of them do have um, a metal frame. But, okay, so the importance of the frame is, Perfect. I'm just afraid that I'm was my next pick question. this one up. Um, I always put a metal frame, and I've seen people who don't put the metal frame around their pieces, but it makes me cringe. <laughs> because the frame adds stability to the glass. If okay. you're ever going to put your glass into a wooden frame, if it didn't have this metal, which is called came, around it, and you ever needed to take it out of the glass, there's nothing supporting your glass. Oh. So you're pulling it out of the wooden frame, chances are you're gonna destroy your panel. And then we'll have to call you to repair it. Yeah, and I might just look at you and go, yeah, no. Anyway. <laughs> Um, this is came. Uh, what I used here is copper, made out of copper. It's called um, adjustable U-came. And so it's got a channel that's adjustable so it fits over the glass. And then you just attach it at your solder point. You know, you can see the solder points. Okay. And what I've attached here, little hangers so that I can add chain and hang it. And then in this case, because it was a larger piece, I added the wooden frame for additional support. Okay, and then um, I see that you have some hanging hardware here. What yeah. are a couple of things that we need to remember about frames? Glass is heavy. Right. <laughs> so if you're going to hang your glass from a wooden frame, you know, when you buy a frame, you might be able to put your glass in a pre-bought, pre-purchased frame. Don't use the little sawtooth hanger on the back and think that will hold your glass because it's not going to. It's not going to. Your glass will be falling. And can I just go buy a frame? At you know, you could, but you want to add a nice, sturdy hanger. Okay. And I always use um, eye, eye bolts. Mm -hmm. If I'm doing a wooden frame, I'll screw an eye bolt into the side and then just a little jack chain. You can get jack chain at any hardware store. Okay. So Sandy King-Gittle said, this would be a good time for me to start playing with my creative side and pull out my supplies. You're already halfway there, Sandy. So it sounds like there's a lot of people who have their supplies stored away. I wish you would get them out of storage <laughs> and start using them. <laughs> Laura Heiserman asks, what type of kilns do you like to use for your fused work? Uh, I started with a small scut kiln. It was um, 16 inches around. But since it was round, I could only do an eight-inch piece. Oh, I have since to upgraded to uh, a larger square kiln, so that now I have a. Uh, it's a second hand because I couldn't afford to get a <laughs> brand new one. Anyway, I can now do a 17-inch square piece. That's a significant size. Yes. So Rexy asks, where do you get the dragon bodies? <gasps> um, Google that. Let's see. What are they? <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody carries them. There are several um, glass suppliers that are sell retail that um, will that carry them. And I'm trying to think offhand. So this would be a stained glass supplier. This is a stain art glass suppliers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I would. And we'll I would, try and track that down for you. Yeah. I would. I would Google that. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. For, and for a second there, I thought you were asking where does she get the dragonfly bodies in those. Well, that's just a baby <laughs> fork. And <laughs> she makes those. It's well, no, work. let's see. The, the drag, okay. Well, right, but, but you do. I mean, it's not like a prefabricated thing. No, no, it's not. It's just, you know, a baby fork. Anywhere that you can get the small baby forks. So, so restaurant supply. Yeah. Any, anywhere that sells... Um, if you need to buy uh, pieces for your own stainless steel set or stainless steel, what am I trying to say? 
that I use cheap silverware. <laughs> Thank you, silverware. Oh my gosh. Yes, anywhere you buy replacement pieces for your silverware, you can order these. You can order these. <laughs> but let me tell you, you can't find them at the antique stores where everybody's getting rid of their grandma's stainless steel because- Or silver. Or silver because, yeah, no, there's nothing that small. People keep those forever and ever as heirlooms. Oh, and then I know that you've made the bigger ones with actual vintage. Yes, I have because you can get the bigger forks. Okay, and, and what's the, is that, is there a customer appeal to having a vintage silver fork versus? Um, you know, and I've had people ask me, you know, well, I've got grandma's sterling and it would be great to give everybody in the family one of these. And <laughs> like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. If you want me to, I'd be more than happy to, but it seems like the smaller ones are more popular. So I, okay. I'm just not making the larger ones anymore. I kind of let demand, you know, tell me what it is I should be making. Okay. That's actually one of the questions that we get a lot is how do I know what to make or how do I know what will sell? Mm -hmm. And uh, so if you have a new thing that you're making, Cheryl, what, what process do you go through to decide if it's a viable I piece? will roll it because one of the things I like to do is have something new every year at the festivals because as a personal issue, I don't like to go to art fairs and see the same thing year after year after year. Right. So I like to have something new every year when I'm doing fairs and festivals so that my repeat customers are going, oh, yeah, so something they, new. Right. Um, so I'll make several, just kind of test the market and see how they're received. So do you do any like previewing on social media of new? I do a ton of previewing on social media. Okay. I've, so I've, you've, you start to get a little bit of feedback yeah, yeah. Um, you know, usually I will document the process on Instagram because it's just easiest that way, and I get a lot of feedback that way. And then when I have a finished piece, I'll put it up. I have a website that I put it up on, and I will promote it on Facebook, Instagram, wherever, mm -hmm. and just kind of gauge the market and see what kind of reaction I get. And it's surprising. There have been a couple of times I get a ton of reaction. People love things, and then they don't sell. Uh, that was my next question. Is is there is it always a direct correlation? No. <laughs> but do you ever sell pieces directly off social media? Uh, yeah, premium? yeah, I do. I've had okay. people see you know things that I have posted as I'm making them, and they will send me a, a direct message and say, "I want that piece." So it sounds like social media is something that is useful to you. Yeah. As it both I think a designer and as an artist. I which, think if you're going to sell your work and you're going to do any self-promotion, it's very, very important to have a social media presence. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, so we've talked about how you do design work um, and you also do glass work. Mm -hmm. um, do you sell just patterns, stained glass patterns for people? So some of these people who need to go get your stuff out... <laughs> Go get your stuff out. Right. I have, in the past, sold patterns on request. Um, I have thought about putting patterns together. I just haven't organized myself. I should probably get my patterns out. <laughs> there is always something else in the life of an artist. There's always something Always something that you haven't done that you really ought to be doing. Um, in the past, what's happened is other stained glass artists will see something I've made and ask me if they can buy the pattern from me. Okay. And I've turned around and sold them the pattern, yeah. Okay, so, but this is not something you've had time to really expand. No, no, I just, it's, my patterns are kind of strewn about my studio and I just haven't organized them, yeah. Um, so we do have a question from Laura Heiserman about what is your Instagram and tell us also what your website is. Uh, Red Dragon Glass. If you Google Red Dragon Glass, you can find me everywhere. Uh, Instagram is Red Dragon Glass. My Facebook, um, Fan page, if you will, is Red Dragon Glass. So, and this will also, and my website, <laughs> Red Dragon Glass. I'm sensing a theme here. <laughs> it's really good to have a presence that's, you know, continuously the same everywhere. Right. Yeah. So, uh, tell me about Red Dragon. Where did the Red Dragon? Where did that come from? from? Yet another shaggy dog story. <laughs> Um, we have plenty of time. We have so much time. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, uh, there is a Fountain of Wayne's song called Red Dragon Tattoo that I was a always very fond of. Fountain of... Fountain of Wayne. 
And I'm assuming... One of those obscure bands that yes, if you know them, you say. do. If you don't, you don't. Yet I again, don't. Google them. Okay, yes, I will. I Red will Dragon Tattoo. It's a, it's a song I'm quite fond of. Anyway, um, I created a piece. I was sending it to a friend, and I kind of needed a blind shipping address. You know, okay. I needed a blind shipping name, and so I made up this name, Red Dragon Glass, to ship the package. Okay, because it was a surprise. Because it was a surprise, exactly. And when it came time to actually choose my business name, I thought, well, why don't I just use that? And the name was born. And I've often wondered since then, it's like, is, is that a random, hideous name? Should I change it to something a little bit more, I don't know, business-like? And it just kind of stuck. <laughs> no, I think no, it's a great no. name. Uh, but you know my next question, and I have to ask. Yeah. Do you have a red dragon tattoo? I do not, but I was in Hawaii. The first time I went to Hawaii, <laughs> there was a brief moment when I was feeling aloha. <laughs> and I was by myself. The friend that I was staying with was off for the weekend at a conference, and I was wandering around Maui. And I almost did it, but I didn't. But you didn't. Well, there's business, and then there's... Yeah. <laughs> logic, logic stepped in and stopped me. Oh, terrible. <laughs> that, is, that is funny. Uh-huh. We're learning all sorts of personal things I didn't know. <laughs> you people know secrets about me that a lot of people don't know. Yeah. Well, they were secrets. Not, Not anymore. anymore. Mm -mm. Not anymore. Well, tell us what your plans are. We are, we are in early spring here in Salt Lake City. Uh, we've actually are experiencing our first week of spring right now. Oh, finally. What, yes, finally. What are your plans for this summer in terms of, of uh, artwork, festivals, uh, shows? What, what's on the horizon for you? Well, I've got a couple of Scottish festivals coming up. Um, I have a lamp that I designed. The, the pattern has been sitting in storage for this a good six familiar. years. Yeah. <laughs> And I finally pulled it out, and I have nothing else going. I don't have a big um, commission. I don't have, I've done all the glass I was planning to do around my house because I was actually unemployed for a while earlier last year. So all of my personal projects are done. This is the last personal project that I need to work on. And I'm thinking maybe it's time to start working on this lamp. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and you'll be documenting the process, of course. Of course, yeah, like I do with everything. Perfect. I'm looking forward to watching that happen. Yeah. To watching the, the magic unfold. Um, and tell us what else you've been working on in terms of uh, new things that you've never done before. I hear that you have a class <gasps> coming up. I thought that was just a rumor. No. <laughs> You were hoping it was just a rumor. <laughs> no, I am going to have to face the music eventually. Well, actually, it's really exciting. Um, when I go to fairs and festivals, people ask me if I teach, and I'm just not set up. I don't have room in my studio to teach. Mm -hmm. And I got this great opportunity here at Curious Mondo to teach Beginning Stained Glass. So April 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, I'll be teaching Beginning Stained Glass. So, and I believe that you can register and reserve your seat now for that. Please do. Please do. <laughs> we love that. All right. Well, if you have anything else you would like to tell um, us about glass, that would be great. I don't have anything profound to say. I just think that anybody who loves glass um, as much as I do, well, I have. I actually do have a question oh, that there I we just go. thought okay. of. Yes. Um, as a beginning stained glass person, because I actually have not even had my first class yet, which is coming up in a, in a week or so. Uh huh. Um, when I'm choosing glass, yes. As a beginner, what kind of things do I need to know about, like, choosing glass? What should I watch out for? What should as I... a beginner. If you're not familiar with cutting glass, at least I know you're familiar with cutting glass, so right. it's not going to be a huge challenge for you. Uh, I would stay away from heavy textures. You can see this piece has textured glass on it. Right. And that is a huge challenge to cut if you're not familiar with cutting glass. Okay. Um, other, other things you should know when you're choosing glass that Really expensive hand-rolled glass is something you might want to shy away from at first because it's really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And I like these pieces here. I had trouble cutting them. And so uh, matching the pattern and the design when I miscut the glass and it broke and yeah, there were a lot of tears shed and a lot of swearing. So until you get your feet wet and you're really, really comfortable, stick with the cheaper glasses, okay. glass, anyway. Um, some is easier to cut than others. If you feel comfortable and you wanna just go to town, go to town, that's fine. <laughs> but some glass will make you hate life. I'm just saying that right now. And what kind of equipment do I need to start? Like what's the bare minimum of stuff? Bare minimum, it's, it's an expensive hobby to start. Okay, so, so you it's will a, need a glass cutter, a grinder. I would recommend not starting without a grinder because you're not gonna be cutting your glass good enough that you won't have to shape it. Um, uh, soldering iron, solder, flux. It's like I do this all the time. Patina. I don't think about what I'm using. Patina is the one I always have questions oh, about. Oh, patina. You don't have to patina, okay. but when you're beginning, not patina in your glass, silver, bare mm -hmm. solder shows all of your mistakes. Black oh. patina hides your mistakes. So oh. this is what you want to remember. Black patina is your friend. <laughs> I'm, I will remember that, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, you'll need patina, and we did say flux and copper foil. Um, you need a good pair of shears. I use a clothespin for a fid. A fid is what you use to um, burnish your copper, your copper foil. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. I have always used a clothespin. I've never used an actual commercially created fid. I love my clothespin. <laughs> and fid is a funny word, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is a funny word. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything off the top of my head beyond that. But your most expensive pieces of equipment will be your soldering iron and your grinder. And oh, with your soldering iron, if it doesn't come with a temperature controller in the handle, you will need a temperature controller okay. because you have to have control over how hot your iron gets. Okay, yeah. good to know. Yeah. Good to yeah. know, so if I'm, if I'm digging the old one out of the garage, yeah, the one that you were so working on in electronics class, making capacitors and <laughs> stuff. Yeah, no. <laughs> Let's not be using that one. Let's not be using that. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Uh, Debbie says, stained glass is what got me going down the rabbit hole that is glass art. Oh, yeah, it's a rabbit hole, that's for sure. Right, the colors. But what a great place to be. True, right? We're all mad here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. So one more quick question from, I'm, I'm asking you all my questions now. Okay. Um, well, actually, Barbara has a very good question. Estimate of how much money you'll initially spend on those things. And this is a good, I need to know this too, Barbara, so thank you. This is, this is a good question. If you buy them new, you could easily drop $250 on, those, on that equipment, $250 to $300. You could probably find them secondhand. Okay. Much cheaper. From people who maybe haven't used theirs for a very long Who've time. Who've had them in storage and don't want to bring them out <laughs> and decided to get out of the business. Um, yeah, it's not a cheap initial investment. So. But you, you think that the used material, the used equipment would be fine? As long yeah, as used equipment is fine as long as it's well taken care of. You, you know, you'd want to look at it and make sure it's in good condition. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then my question was, you know that I'm a recycled glass person. Yes, you are. And I would love to be able to use recycled glass, but tell me some of the things that I would need to watch out for just off the top of your head. I know a lot of, of people who watch my classes like to do that. Um, I know that some of the things that I use are going to be too thick. No, really oh. not. Okay. You'll just have to use a little more foil to wrap it. Okay. I have used nuggets like that thick you just well, put a little more foil the, uh, around it the sun face on that yeah panel there just add a little more thick. sorry let me get it on camera <laughs> drag that can't you around. all just see over here <laughs> yeah you just add a little more foil sometimes i'll put two or three wraps of foil foil does come in different widths but i don't always waste my time on buying different widths of foil because i'm lazy Anyway, just wrap a couple of extra widths of foil, okay. as long as you have enough for your solder to adhere to. Hmm. 
Hmm. You can do um, several different, yeah. I Somehow I thought that was going to be a lot harder to overcome the, oh, yeah, no. the thickness no, issue. Oh, it's easy. She says, we'll see, we'll report back. Yeah. Well, and uh, I, did, um, I did some texture glass pieces with you and incorporated mm -hmm. them into a stained glass panel. All right. So I forgot about that leaves yeah. and things. So That's it's very thing. easy. You just have to know how to make adjustments for the thickness of glass because even glass itself isn't always the same thickness. You can get textured glass that is really, really thick. Right, and some of the hand-rolled stuff is uneven. Exactly, and then there's some glass that is manufactured very, very thin. So you just you know make allowances for the thickness of your glass, and you're fine. And um, how would you recommend that I get my soldering game up to speed? Is that something I can practice? Practice, practice, <laughs> practice. I was afraid she was going to say that. And <laughs> you know, you're not going to be awesome right out of the gate. So don't let it get be. you down. My first. I might be. Okay, I'm gifted. <laughs> But, no, <laughs> the first time I tried to solder, I was so frustrated, and it's because my soldering iron was too cool. So oh. you have to figure out what exactly the perfect temperature is, and not every iron is going to be exactly the same. You've got to find that sweet spot, and that just takes practice. It's a bit like firing your kiln. Yeah, exactly. Every kiln is different. Every kiln is different. Yeah, okay. and um, know what kind of solder you're using. I always use 6040, which, which is 60 zinc, 40 lead. Yeah. And, and can you use lead-free solder? Yeah, you can. But she says hesitantly. <sighs> yeah, you can. If lead is something you're really, really, really concerned about. But how many people are rubbing their hands against these panels and then eating food? This I is not really would a hope huge that no one is. This is not a huge safety concern. Okay. So and you'll of course be covering all sorts of safety issues. Absolutely. In your class. I will talk about handling lead and the different chemicals that you use when you're doing stained glass. And you'll have examples of all sorts of amazing things for us to see and learn. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like a party. <laughs> all sorts of strange and wonderful things. Right, exactly. Well, Cheryl, thank you for being here with us today. Well, thank you for having me. For the In Focus podcast. Thank you for being here. Uh, please join us again next week. And don't forget to register for Cheryl's uh, beginning online stained glass class. Tell me the dates again for uh, that. April 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Wonderful. And we will be making what? Uh, we will be making a panel that's about, yay big, 29 pieces, easy. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. I will be making this panel also. I'm very excited to, to be participating in this class. Yeah. So I appreciate you being here. Again, I'm Jody McCraney Rusho, and I'm here at Curious Mondo with the Creativity and Focus podcast. Thank you for joining us. Please come back next week. Please share with all of your friends and, of course, send in your questions. We appreciate you being here with us. And with that, I think we'll say goodbye and see you next week.